Hello? Yo, what's up, dude? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, How are you? Sorry about that. Sorry about that, man. I, I completely spaced out that you live in California and I live in Arizona. So there's an hour difference. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't take that into consideration either. But there's no time change in Arizona, right? No, it's uh so you are an hour behind me, I believe. Where okay. are you where are you located? So I live in Carpinteria, California, which is like Central Coast, like right above Ventura. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I looked at the I looked at the time difference and it's about an hour. So I was like, well, that is not good that I did said seven o'clock and now it's seven here, but not there. So sorry if I was bugging you. No, you're good, dude. I know. I hope it's not too late. I know you no, have good. a baby to take care of and stuff. <laughs> you're totally good, man. Oh, no worries. He's asleep and uh, we're just we're just kind of chilling. So no worries right at all. Right on. So go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Okay, yeah. So my name's my name's Dylan. Um, I'm from originally from Corona, California, which is in Riverside County in the Inland Empire. And but I currently live in Carpinteria, which is like right by Santa Barbara. I moved here like five and a half years ago. Okay, are you uh, are you from California, like born and raised? Yeah, well, I was actually you might hear my cat a little bit in the background. Too, oh, good, so, sorry about that. You're fine. Um, yeah, well, I was actually born in Utah for like the, and I lived there for like the first nine months of my life, and then moved to California and been here ever since. So, cool man. Not born, but raised. Oh, cool, awesome. Yeah, California. I'm from LA, so I, I definitely miss it from time to time. But I don't know. I, I'd like to go back soon, but you know, what COVID part of and all LA? that stuff. Um, Downey, California. Oh, Downey, nice. Yeah. yeah. So I, I grew up there, and then my dad, um, his job transferred us to Arizona. So I've been here ever since. Okay. Um, so kind of just, yeah, just kind of West Coast for me. That's right. Yeah, I love California with all my heart, man. It's, it's like, means more to me than I can explain. It's kind of weird. But... <laughs> no, I totally miss it. I Like, every time I go back to California, I'm like, shit, I really miss it here. And love the weather and all of it. Is it raining over there for you? It is, man. Yeah, it's it's like really windy and cold and raining. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm like sitting in my warm kitchen right now, which is really meaningful to me because <laughs> I, I spend a lot of nights like this outside. And, yeah, uh, I'm sure, man. California weather is just nice to be out there. So yeah. Um, so, so tell me, tell me a little bit about um, what you do. So you you have a show, right? Yeah. So I um. I have a, I host a weekly uh, community radio show at this really awesome place called Casa de la Raza in Santa Barbara. It's like an old historic community center um, and they have a community radio station. And I started doing that like um, two and a half years ago. I started doing local sports on the radio. Which oh, cool. Was, yeah, which wasn't really my thing though. And I really wanted to do hardcore and and interview bands and play local bands and demos and you know you you understand all that so yeah for sure um i had a blog called your life in america that i wrote in um and i kind of just took that idea and turned it into a radio show because i i already had experience with doing radio and um yeah i just do that on the side though that's just like a thing i do for fun i'm actually a a counselor for my day job oh cool Um, man yeah i've been working in the field as an addiction counselor for like a little over four years now. 
Oh, wow. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I work for, like, the best facility ever. It's a nonprofit organization. Um, so, like, we don't bill insurance or make money off the clients. It's purely just to help people get better. Um, dude, that's fucking awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's a really, really special thing to be a part of. Um, I'm, I'm really, really grateful to be a part of it. Um, half of it is a homeless shelter too for men and women. So yeah, it's just like, it's like the hub of recovery, um, in our community in Santa Barbara. So it's pretty that's awesome. really cool, man. Like yeah. that's really, that's really, really cool to have something like that and have it during this time right now. Like it's crazy as you know, with like everything that's going on. Yeah. And so I'm sure that like, I'm sure that you've been able to keep busy and it's just, it's just crazy how, you know, the, the, like, you know, politics and all everything that's been going on really affects like how people in recovery handle things. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just a crazy, crazy world, but that's awesome that you do that. I mean, that's, that's so true. You know, I was, I was just talking to my boss about it today. It's like, our, you know, I'm not like an outpatient counselor that someone comes and sees once a week. Like I go to a, a residential facility and I manage a caseload of like 10 guys, you know, and, and they I go to the place they live. And so I'm spending 40, 40 hours a week with them and I'm like, we're in it with them, you know. And so yeah. when the covid started popping off in the shelter and then spreading over to the to our program, it was like, you know, we're there staying late hours, getting tested by public health department. They're sending our clients to tweaker motels to, to isolate because that's all that is available. And these guys are coming back sober and, you know, it's just been crazy, man. And, um, you know, you take a people like us and, and put them in a facility and tell them that they can't leave and they're quarantined when they're already miserable and hating life Ugh. as it is. <laughs> yeah, man, no, I can't, I can't, I cannot imagine at all being in that situation. Like that, that would be awful. <laughs> that would yeah. be, that would be really bad. Yeah. Cause like going to rehab sucks in the first place, you know? So, I mean, you know, they're already, they're already not happy to be there. And then it's like, okay, we got to lock down the facility for 10 days and like no outside meetings, like no, know anything and so it's definitely felt a little heavier you know but we've been we've been getting by um, is it uh is it still pretty strict down there where you are um yeah it is I mean I guess the governor just like lifted the stay-at-home order but mm. it's pretty the town you know our community is pretty shut down still and we just have to be really careful because in a communal living environment it spreads so it spreads so quickly you know um so we just have to be really careful. Yeah, I can imagine it's, I mean, like, I think that's the one thing that I really miss about the before times is just the amount of contact that you have with people and it's so necessary, but then with stuff that's been going on, you know, in COVID, it's just so, it's not, you know, high, it's not recommended to, but yeah. I, it's, it's like, you kind of do, well, got to do what you have to do to like survive and yeah. Yeah, it's survival right now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, man, um, I, I'm with you. I miss it too. I, you know, I believe strongly that recovery happens in relationships with other people and and community, and and I I really miss it a lot too. I I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's you know, it's like I I go to Zoom meetings and 
it's nice to see the faces like today i went to two meetings and it was really cool but then like i just like missed that like face-to-face like legit face-to-face and like yeah feeling the energy i mean you can feel it through screens but like feeling the energy from somebody else is like you know there's nothing else like it yeah Um, man especially in a room full of people who have been sober for a really long time yeah and just talking about the problem and talking about the solution and just you know there's a lot of power in that for sure oh yeah it's it's a great it's a great feeling if it and for anybody who's listening who hasn't been able to and maybe getting so got sober like last year, it's like one of the best feelings that you can ever have. Um, I remember like when I was in meetings before and they would like when, uh, you know, people would, would get chips and stuff like that and they do like the passing around of them. And I remember. Oh, pray always, open or whatever. Huh? Oh, yeah. Like, well, bless so the it's chip. Like, I remember being like, oh, that's so cheesy. Like. <laughs> you know that's so dumb but then like now i'm like I, I i actually hit my um i hit my two years like last year and it was during covid so it was like one of those things i was like man the one thing i need right now is just somebody to play <laughs> on this chip like i didn't even yeah. get it so like i don't even have it but i'm like in my mind i was like oh man it's sunday this is the day that i go and i don't have a chip and i don't have like you know it's like freaking out about it but you know, it's the small things <laughs> when you're sober. Yeah, it's the small sure. things that like get you all crazy. Yeah, um, no, I, I I miss my five. I don't have a five year chip, oh. so I I kind of I kind of relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like all those like those minute details that you might have taken for granted, like in uh in the rooms. It's like, you know, it's like I miss it. I miss that yeah. <laughs> miss that feeling. I miss like the I miss like the random people who would like not pay for coffee and like trick the coffee you know and like put their hands in and i'm like oh man i missed that yeah like, I oh yeah i just like miss all those things um so yeah, obviously you just you. you know said you had your you had your five year last year so um yeah. you are sober and do you consider do you consider yourself sober in recovery and all that stuff definitely man yeah 100 percent clean and sober completely abstinent from everything other than caffeine and nicotine for five and a half years now oh wow yeah oh man yeah that's crazy um what what if you don't mind me asking like what was what was life before before this five year five and a half year yeah mark for you? So, yeah i mean um i i kind of i so i went over these questions because i i mean we could talk about this like all night long oh know? for sure man <laughs> um so basically like as a kid, I, you know, I, I definitely lived a privileged life as a white kid in Southern California. Um, but my parents were divorced. There's a lot of addiction and mental illness, uh, in my mom's family, my uncles. So that was like all that was everywhere growing up, you know, parties at my house. Um, you know, I didn't see my dad for a long time until I was a little bit older. Um, I played baseball, which was an outlet for me school was sorry about the cat too oh dude no you're fine you're totally (laughs) Um, fine and like in contrary to a lot of people i know i like really loved school you know school was like an outlet for me to get away from the dysfunction of my house and um just like the fear that i lived in at home because of you know just the dysfunction and i you know i loved to read i read a lot of fantasy books i idolized you know, a lot of like athletes, um, like Michael Jordan and Kobe, definitely. Um, that was when I was younger. 
and then my teenage years, you know, I, I, that's when I really got into the music thing. Um, like I grew up around the like no effects, gutter mouth nice. type of punk, type of punk rock, all the fat records fans and like rancid and stuff. And, but I didn't, I just kind of listened to it cause it was in the background. Um, and then like around 13, I was like 13 or 14, I got into, you know, more like, I don't want to say like underground, more like street punk, I guess, like mm. uh, the virus and the global thread and mm-hmm. those kind of bands. It was a little more angry. And um, I really started to relate to that music. And, um, you know, I started going to shows and stuff. We had this little venue called the Showcase Theater. And um, I just got really involved. Like, I, I loved that. Like before drugs and alcohol, it was like punk and hardcore and shows, you know, and, and like, I just it was an outlet for my anger and you know it was like a place to escape and then when I was 14 I drank for the first time and like not because I didn't fit in or not because I didn't have friends but because I was just it was there and I just wanted to you know I was like whatever and I the first time I got drunk I loved it you know mm-hmm. um, was it, were you like partying or was it like no it was, it was just kind of around <laughs> No, it was like my mom used to keep a bottle of vodka in the freezer, uh, vanilla Smirnoff. And my friend had come to stay the weekend with me and he had gotten drunk like the week before. And he was like, let's drink. And I was like, all right, well, my mom's got some alcohol. And so we drank like this vanilla Smirnoff and chased it with Dr. Pepper. (laughs) And I got drunk, dude. And I remember feeling like numb, you know, like I remember just feeling like very calm and very Mm. you know just numb like like I just felt like I was okay and um I mean really to to speed it up from that point on I think I was drunk or high close to every day for the next 10 years oh wow man if I wasn't if I wasn't incarcerated and even when I was locked up I would I would get high and, and drink too um but yeah, it just progressed from there. Uh, well, so, family... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go uh, I was just going to ask you. So I forgot. How old are you? Oh, I'm 29. Okay, yeah, cool. 29. Awesome. So you said like when you were 14, so then for you said like 10 years. So, okay, 24. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sorry, I was just trying to figure out the math part. Yeah, no, you could no, do the math. It's all good. <laughs> I was just like, okay, okay, I figure out. So you got, so you got sober when you were like 24? 25? Yeah, yeah. Well, three okay. days before my 24th birthday, okay. I went into rehab. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I mean, just really, I mean, you, you know, and anyone who's listening to a recovery podcast, I mean, you know, you know, the progression, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like the alcohol felt good. The weed felt even better. Um, and by 15, I was doing ecstasy. I was doing Coke. Um, I was drinking on the weekends. I was smoking weed every day. I was still playing high school baseball and keeping my grades up because that was never oh, really cool. Yeah, it wasn't really hard for me to do. But by my senior year in high school, I was smoking meth, um, periodically doing coke, ecstasy. You know, I had taken tons of acid and mushrooms. I was smoking weed every day. And then I started smoking Oxycontin in my senior year of high school and uh, barely graduated and then after that, it was like, I was 86 by the family. I lost my baseball and college opportunities mm-hmm. because I got strung out on Oxycontin. And uh, it was just, it was, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't control it. And I didn't know, 
at 18, I had no idea what was going on. You know, I didn't know anything about my thinking or, or anything. I just, you know, I knew that I liked to do drugs and sometimes bad stuff happened and I lost complete control very fast. And by 18, I was, I was completely homeless living on the streets. Um, yeah, I had nowhere to go. <laughs> my mom was like, you're not living here. Um, didn't really have a relationship with my dad that, you know, warranted me living there. And, uh, yeah, I, I realized I could get as drunk and high as I wanted to and just sleep in the park mm. and no one bothered me. Do you have and, any siblings uh, or anything? Yeah. Yeah. I have, okay. uh, I have all younger. I have like a 24 year old brother, a 21 year old sister, an 18 year old, um, or 19 year old brother and a 14 year old, uh, sister, 15 year old sister and a six year old son. Did you have a six year old son? Yeah, I do. Oh, dang, man. I don't think, I don't think I have, like, in our conversations, I don't think that I've ever, I've known, I've known that. Like, that's cool, yeah. man. Yeah, um, I mean, I, uh, I was, you know, I was using and, and, and running the streets and uh, when he was born, and so I lost him to CPS, and then uh, he was adopted by my mom out of foster care, and I was in jail for, like, six months at the time, and just signed to read my parental rights because I had no desire to ever get clean and never thought I could. So I just gave up on trying to be a dad. Um, and, but now we have a great relationship, you know? That's awesome. we, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much what it was like for me before to sum it, like to be, not to be too general, but I mean, yeah, I was, you know, I was an IV heroin user. That was my, that was my thing. Um, Oxycontin stopped making the good, pills like in 2009 <laughs> which i if you talk to anybody who's been involved in like what they call the opioid epidemic or whatever like that's you know that's a big part of it hmm. um and so i got right into heroin and, and i loved it and i started using needles and um you know i heroin and iv heroin and meth was like my 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 thing pretty much i took a lot of pills too like uh love xanax and and valium and clonopin and drink all the time you know i uh had two suicide attempts a couple overdoses um i got a good amount of criminal charges uh just like for stealing and stuff like that and uh yeah i mean that's basically what it was like for me before i got sober <laughs> and i was uh sorry back to your family i was gonna yeah um so how did that did it affect your family in any way like how did that how did that go? Cause you have younger, you have younger siblings and cause I have an older brother or I have an older brother and older sister. Um, which, so it didn't really affect the way that I guess they saw me. Cause like they were yeah. already doing that. Or, like my brother was already doing this stuff way before I was. Um, and you know, now like I'm sober and I have a kid too. So it's kind of like, I don't really have that experience of, and I, who knows like I really don't know who knows what the I mean as long as I'm you know doing my program and doing what I need to do um but like how what is that like as you know if you don't mind me asking like for the other people um involved like it was yeah how was it's a that? great it's a great question um it was it was it was uh torture for them you know it was it was devastating um it was disappointing it was like the worst pain probably they, they could feel uh, watching their, 
you know, their brother, their son who had a bright future, just killing himself and, and without the ability to stop. Um, yeah. Like I, I would steal money from my, from my little, from my little brother, you know? And like, yeah, it was bad, man. It, it's like, I still feel really ashamed even mm-hmm. saying it now in the, you know, fast forward, but um, it was hard for them because they lost their brother, they lost their son, and then they didn't know how to have a relationship with me, you know, because one day I was there, one day I wasn't, one day I was, you know, so high that my eyes were rolling back in my head, and they didn't know what was wrong with me, um, so yeah, you know, it was, it's, I'm still working on rebuilding those relationships today, you yeah. know, it's, there's, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of shame around it for me, and there's a lot of uh, skepticism around it for them, you know, even with all the things I've accomplished in the last five years, like, yeah. I mean, that's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, no, I, I feel you on that. Like, I was just curious cause I, um, you know, I have two years under my belt and, um, you know, like you go through all the whole, you know, thing with like your family and friends. And like, um, I remember just, having such a difficult time connecting with like my family with it and them trying to connect with me with it. And, um, you know, even after like apologizing and, you know, trying to like clean up my side of the street with things, um, you know, it's, I could still feel that, like that weight that was still there of just like yeah the damaged relationship. Um, you know, my brother like doesn't really never really cared because he was, like I said, he was already doing that stuff um before but it was one of those things where like i could see that like rift and divide between the two but see like it's like coming together um but at the same time like seeing it as like this is you know something i created it's just such a hard position to be in and i'm not trying to like create this like sympathy like oh poor us you know for being these people (laughs) but it's just it's so it's like i don't know how to I don't know. I talked to like my, my normie friends about stuff like this. And they're just like, dude, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like I've never, <laughs> I've never created a, a situation yeah. where I've yeah. chosen to be so selfish over, yeah. you know, a relationship. And I'm like, Oh man, well, yeah. I'm glad you're not me. Cause like, <laughs> I, like, this is something I deal with like all the time. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I'm right there with you, man. I, it is, it's, you know, I, that's one thing I learned and in, in, is just like taking responsibility for my actions and writing the writing the wrongs to the best of my ability. It's definitely a painstaking effort. But um, yeah, it's hard, man, especially it's like and you want everything to be mended right away, too. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's and it's not like that. And you really, really have to move away from that selfishness and just understand that people will come people will come back to you and people will open that up when they're ready. And that's their right to do that. You know, that's such a hard lesson though. (laughs) Like, so I, I mean, I remember being a kid and this was before using of any sort and just being like wanting, like getting into a fight with somebody, but then wanting it to be over like right then and like (laughs) wanting it to be done. Like, dude, what can I do to fix it? Cause I just want to fix it. And it's like, doesn't work like that. And like, I don't know before when I was like, you know active actively using and drinking and stuff like that like i would you know i'd be mad at somebody and then i would go drink you know or do something that was oh. like feeding instead addiction which would numb that feeling of ever having to do that but like i feel this 100 percent all the time now you know it's not it's never yeah. 
I never turn it off. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I relate to that for sure. Uh, what about what about your did you have a rock bottom because i feel like some people do this thing where they're like oh i didn't really have a rock bottom i just like decided <laughs> to stop i'm like i don't know like i i think after therapy and going through the programs and like just kind of talking with people like i'm like okay yeah i definitely had a rock bottom and it was like way before you know the the rock bottom i had I had like perceived in my head so did did you have one yeah man no i, I it's funny you say that the rock bottom thing is such like a it's such a stigmatized recovery term that's like you know it's i mean it's i mean i guess it's it's just like a universally known thing you know yeah rock bottom so and there's always those people man that are like yeah i never hit rock bottom or (laughs) i hit the bottom and i just kept on digging so there wasn't (laughs) a bottom it's like calm down (laughs) um yeah so i think if i'm thinking like uh physically you know, like externally, I think it was like the winter of 2015. So like, like probably four months before I got sober, I was in this park bathroom and I was, I was trying to do a shot of meth and uh, it was freezing outside. I hadn't slept or ate in weeks. Uh, I mean, I, you know, probably more like a week, but it felt like weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, at that time I was living in an abandoned maintenance shed on a old, like abandoned golf course in Corona. Um, and they had like, it was abandoned. So there was all these maintenance sheds and I was living in this one with this, uh, this guy from the Nazi lowriders and his wife. And it was just Uh, like, it was like the most, like, just, it was bad. And, uh, so I was in this park bathroom and, and I, you know, my veins and my arms were just completely blown out. So. I was, I would poke myself so much and, uh, I was just sitting in this bathroom. It was freezing. I was malnourished and there was blood just like dripping down both my arms. Um, cause I couldn't find a vein. My friend was passed out on the floor. Uh, I couldn't even like do, you know, I couldn't even do the shot of meth because it was freezing and I couldn't find a vein and I just started crying, man. Like, mm. and, uh, I just, yeah, I just sat in there and I just started crying and I was just flooded with uh, like an indescribable shame and guilt and uh, hopelessness. And uh, I walked out of the bathroom and I like, look, I was just like looking around and I like looked up at the sky and that was like the first time in my life that I really was like, okay, maybe, maybe there's something greater than me that... (laughs) Cause I can't, I can't stop. So like, whatever's out there, if you're there, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to die out here, you know? Um, and I just kept crying and, and, uh, yeah, I just felt like so lost that night and so hopeless. Um, and then I continued to use for six more months after that, or, you know, (laughs) however long, uh, but yeah, I would say, I would say that was, that was probably the, the bottom, you know, I, I kind of continued to, to maintain after that, but that night sticks in my mind uh, pretty strongly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Like that's, that sounds like, I don't know. I feel like it sounds like a movie. Like it just sounds like, you know, we all have our stories and we all have the way we do things. And when, when I'm always like, I don't know if the, like, I don't know if the, well, I guess maybe more odd, like an awe of just like the stories 
that people have lived through and like it's re- you know it's like real shit it's not something yeah. that people yeah. are like you know like i believe you 100% but it's one of those things where it's almost like you hear people talk about their past and talk about cuz talking to you now and just like all the things you've done and are doing like it, you wouldn't assume like that's like that was part of you know your your history and yeah. like that's just it's just so wild um it is man because yeah. Yeah, i mean even that part like just like the fact of like you know that wasn't the last time you know it's like i've been there so many times where it's like i have hit that spot and i'm like okay this is it like this is it give me this and i'm like you know i'm pulling myself up to like you know some sort of like like therapy or something that is like you know gonna put me away because i need to be like held down and just like somebody needs to like do some major work on me and i'm just like you know maybe this time i'll be i'll be done and i won't be as like you know crazy with stuff and it's you know always like like i'll stop for a little bit or i stop for a little bit and then i just go back to the same thing yeah, but I feel like there's like there is like that monumental piece, right? Of like where you you end you end up having that moment of clarity, even though like it's a clarity for like I don't know, like 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 momentarily, you know. But like at the same time, it is that like part that's like working. That's like oh yeah, there's like there's something else that needs to be done. Um, definitely. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm totally feeling that. I definitely wanted to add in that I you know, again, that I, even after that, this is the insanity of addiction. I continued to, to use for until, you know, that was like in February of that year. And I continued to use until August. So like, Mm. (laughs) you know, um, yeah, I was just tired, man. I was tired. So what, uh, what got you to, what got you clean then? Like, what was the thing that was like, you know, cause so you have this, this moment that we've all had, that's like, okay, there's something needs to be done. Like I need to change. And then you go on and do the stuff that you do. Like what got you to the point of like, okay, like I got to like overhaul my entire life. Yeah. So I was, I was on a payphone um, on sixth street in Corona because I didn't have a cell phone for years either. Um, I was on a payphone calling a heroin connect and I saw my mom pull into this parking lot on the other side of the, like taco place where the payphone was just randomly just like uh yeah well she said that she she ended up saying that she was driving around looking for me um but I, it seemed random but i don't know but that's still crazy know. that she was looking for you like <laughs> yeah that's a wild the, coincidence anyways go ahead yeah so the crazy so i'm on the payphone and and like um she gets out of the car and my and she has my son with her and I hadn't seen my son since um, the day he was born because we lost him to CPS. Mm. And uh, he was like a year by that time. So he was walking around, you know, mm. and something about that, just like seeing him walking around and as, as a little person and like really seeing the pain in my mom's eyes. And, and cause I was like, you know, 60 pounds underweight, mm. unshowered, like not looking good at all. And, um, my mom was crying and I was just seeing my son right there. And she was like, if you want help, I can, I'll help you. And I said, okay, because <laughs> I was tired and she didn't think I was, she didn't like, she was so surprised that I said, okay. Cause I never asked for help before. Wow. And um, yeah. So 
uh, she, the, so I slept at a uh, jungle gym that night at a park and, um, I met her at the hospital the next morning and she picked me up and she drove me up to Santa Barbara and to my aunt's house. And I stayed at my aunt's house and, uh, cause my aunt knew about this program up here. And so I stayed at my aunt's and I detoxed myself on the floor of my aunt's room. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with, I got some, uh, my uncle gave me some Suboxone and so I detoxed myself, which was pretty, it was, it was pretty gnarly. It always is, you know, you would think after the first time detoxing, you would never do it again, but, (laughs) um, and then, yeah, I, I went interviewed at this program and, um, after I finally sobered up and, you know, got everything out of my system and I still wanted to smoke weed and I still wanted to get a prescription for Valium and, all this stuff. But yeah, I went and interviewed into this residential program. It's actually the program I work for now. Nice. Yeah. So I interviewed for this program and I, and I got in and, uh, and that, that's what, that's what started the, that's what started the journey. That's so awesome. And I've, I've met yeah. a couple people who, um, they do like the, um, they like bring the meetings, you know, to rehabs and stuff. And the people that I've met who have done that, a lot of them are people who, you know, that was like where they got sober. Um, And that's just so powerful. Like, I just think that's such a powerful piece of what, what we do as people in recovery and who are sober is just like giving back and like servicing the hell out of everything. You know, (laughs) like I tell people that I work with, I'm like, you know, they're like, I don't understand. Like, I just like, you know, I'm like thinking about all these things. I'm like, dude, just get out of your head and like, yeah, go help somebody. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, set the chairs up and stop thinking so much. Exactly. <laughs> like you, you gotta, like, you gotta just do that stuff like that. And like, you know, it sucks. Cause it's like with, uh, with the zoom stuff, it's like, there's really not much, you know, service you can do, but like, yeah, I mean, there is, but like not, you know, it's like reading a couple things, but like, yeah. I just like, encourage them to like hey man just like do literally anything that's not about you and like but i think it's really cool when people who get sober in certain places and they like go service those people and like that's amazing that's cool man that's that's really really awesome yeah thank you yeah it's it's cool to be like a a counselor like i'm a state certified counselor now like i'm working that's awesome yeah i'm working on my bachelor's degree and it's cool to be a counselor, like having worked for a while and be certified because so many people, as you know, I'm sure in recovery, like mm-hmm. they start going to school to be a counselor mm-hmm. and then they relapse and like it never gets done. So that's um, it feels cool to be able to have gone through school and be certified. And, and, you know, I could work I could work at any treatment center with my certification, but being getting a job at the place I got sober at is just like it's just such an amazing place. That's um, awesome, man. Yeah, I'm so grateful for it. That's really cool. Um, so you, uh, you said you just said you're getting your bachelor's. That's what you're working towards. Yeah, in the fall I start. Uh, yeah, so I, in the fall I start at Cal State Channel Islands. Oh, cool. For a BA in psychology, yeah. Um, so for people who are listening, who are like interested in that kind of stuff, what's the route that you did to do something like that? Yeah, so I. Uh, Santa Barbara City College, huge, huge shout out to Santa Barbara City College, the best freaking school in the world. 
Um, they have so many resources for people like us and formerly incarcerated uh, students. And so I got in, I went into, cause I hadn't been in a classroom in forever. So I, they had this thing called the transitions program. And uh, it's basically like for people like us trying to go from our way of living to sitting in a classroom full mm. of people. <laughs> which yeah. is like you know it's like for us like you said your normal friends are probably like oh yeah and for me I'm like holy shit like yeah it's crazy man it's oh, crazy man. Uh, so they kind of like walk you through the process of becoming a college student it's like a, it was like a six-week summer program and I did that and um met some really cool people and was encouraged to to uh take addiction counseling classes and most colleges have addiction alcohol and drug counseling programs and so I did that it, it's, it was like 36 units I think hmm. so it was like 12 classes um, plus sociology and psych 100 so you do all the classes and then uh, like 2,500 hours of field work and then, yeah and then pass a state exam and then yeah that's basically it you get certified nice. after that dude that's awesome man yeah. That's so cool. And then, like, just the fact that they are working with people like that in that capacity is just awesome. That's it's so you know, like rehabilitation doesn't just like you know stop in rehab. Like, there's rehabilitation <laughs> in so many other things, and like, ah, man, it's just such a necessary thing in, in society. Yeah, I agree um, for sure. Uh, so you got sober. Let's get back to your story. So you got sober. Yeah, yeah. Um, you started going into the program that you are in now or that you work with now, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So what did you, what did you do like during that time period? What kinds of things helped you? Because getting sober, like just for anybody, it's because like, I know some people just like tune into my podcast because they want to know the kinds of stuff that I, uh, that I do. Um, but like getting sober early sobriety sucks. I just want to say that, like, it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. So, like, I, I don't think I know anybody who's like, oh, yeah, it's early sobriety. I was, like, doing such a good job. Like, no, like, there's a lot of things that happen in um, early sobriety. So, like, I kind of just want yeah. to hear what kinds of things you did, what kinds of things happened, like, what kinds of, I guess, negative things happened because, like, or, per- or, like, I guess, perception of negative things because a lot, a lot of the time for me, I'm just, I'll just give an example. It's like, I lost, like, a bunch of friends um and just like the relationships changed which in hindsight now is totally good but at the time it just like all the walls were crashing in so like I felt utterly alone even though my wife is sober I felt utterly alone because like I'm trying to do this thing for myself and all these things are happening so that's that's what I'm trying to get at with this yeah definitely um (laughs) I mean it was a trip man that's the best way it's the best way I can describe it early I, you know, I was in a residential facility, so I was, like, pretty taken care of. Mm. Um, I didn't need to worry about, like, working or or money or anything like that. Um, but my mind was was all over the place. Like, my, uh, my son's mom, my ex, you know, I was still thinking that that was a healthy relationship for me to be in, even mm. though she was a heroin addict, too, and we used drugs together. So I'm, like, still trying to hold on to that. But like knowing that I need to be, you know, in this place and and learn about, you know, recovery. And um, I had a lot of reservations 
early mm. on, I thought that I could just be sober for nine months and then start smoking weed again, you know? So, I mean, that's basically my thought process every day was like from the relationships to my old life to like, okay, what's this new thing to maybe someday I can drink and smoke weed mm. or maybe I can just do Coke on the weekends. Oh so, yeah. Like, you know, it was just like, all yeah, like, the place. <laughs> which is like um, a crazy, like, sorry. Like, cause I've done the same thing. It's like, it's a crazy way to think that it's like, I do that too. Where I'm like, when I was early in sobriety, I was like, oh, I can like drink. I'll drink like on the weekends. And like, that's it. Like I I can stay sober for X amount of days. And then like, I'll treat myself. Like I always thought of it as like a treat. Like, oh yeah. Like I can like handle yeah. this. Never can, never could like ever, but yeah. anyways, proceed. Go ahead. Uh, no. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that was, you know, and speaking like you were saying all that good stuff about the family dynamic is they like, my family still didn't really want anything to do with me. You know, um, and I had my like self, self, uh, self-seeking motives and my entitlement. And, mm. you know, after like 30 days, all your opinions come back. And like, I thought that I knew what mm-hmm. was best for my son. And, you know, so I was dealing with all that too. Um, and, but really what happened, man, was I got involved in the process of recovery in a really, really in-depth way. Um, and I learned, I learned the process of recovery in this, this big blue book <laughs> that yeah. I'm sure most people know about. Yeah. Um, I learned that thing inside and out by this guy who had been sober for a really long time, you know, in the way that I believe the pioneers of it, you know, intended for it to be taught and received and something in those you know, first 90 to 120 days, like something happened to me, Mm. you know, um, and I just went through the process, man. Um, after I kind of settled in and, and, and started feeling a little more comfortable, I was ready to do the work and, um, it changed everything about me. You know, I had an entire psychic change, a spiritual awakening, whatever you want to call it you know, complete rearrangement of my ideas, emotions, my attitude, you know, I took a really hard look within myself. And, you know, I started to clean up the wreckage of the past. I started connecting to a power um, that I found from the process of recovery. Um, And I don't really know what it is still to this day. But I know it's a power greater than me. I like to think of it as like the force kind of. Yeah, yikes. that's a good that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Um it could be God, it could be a big guy in the sky with a staff, you know, looking down making decisions, I don't know, you know. But I learned that I did not have the power to control my life uh while using and drinking and really do not still have the power to control my life. Um without a spiritual connection and, and spiritual actions, you know? Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally get that. You know, I, I totally get it. It's hard to, I, I feel like, you know, like I talked about it in my last episode, but it's really hard to like go on without one and yeah. go on without, not even like, uh, you know, like higher power or whatever, but I mean like just kind of like really forfeiting this idea that, you're not the king of everything is just <laughs> really hard, man. Like it is, man. You know, it's like, uh, this is going to sound so bad. So like <clears throat> the other day we were driving and um, 
I was, it was my wife and I and my son in the back. And we were driving and this kid, I mean, he was a kid. He had to have been like 17 or something. He was driving and like cut us off and almost, we almost got into an accident. Like he tried to like make a left-hand turn while I was going straight and I slammed on my brakes and I'm like, I like, you know, reacted really well, but then I just like gave him the finger and was just like, yeah, you know, just like, and he like gave me this like childlike, you know, like just straight up teenager angst, like F you <laughs> and like kind of, you know, flipped me off too. But then like, there's just like this part of me with that, that was just like, I, it was a weird, like, like this visceral reaction. And like, that's like the inner me, right? Like that's me. Yeah. I, all the time before I got sober it was just like all and I haven't I've I'll let you know I've never like I'm vulgar and I cuss a lot but like I never flip anybody off so it was like <laughs> one of those things where I was just like oh man like there's like something manifested inside of me yeah but I, I really do feel like before I, w- I got sober I like had absolutely no understanding of of really anything like I just wanted to be like my ego was like there the forefront yeah. of everything all the time. And I had consistently screwed up things from like getting in debt to drug abuse, to alcohol, to, you know, you can go down the list of programs and like, sure. I could tell you like, <laughs> yeah, I've been there. And it's like, it's because I, I want to always feel like I can outdo that part of me. And I can't, like, I can't ever do that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like you have to have that. I don't necessarily. I mean, I, you know, it doesn't have to be like God specifically or anything, but like that awakening. Like I haven't had that until like this year, where I'm like, oh my god, like I don't have to worry about like half of this shit. Like you know, I don't have to worry about the any of these things because it's already in a sense just doing what it needs to do. Yeah, and yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I think that's the the hard part is like I think I have a I don't know what your religious background is, but my, my, I have like a real, you know, staunch religious background. And so it was hard to get to that point. But I think, you know, I meet so many people who do have those awakenings and they're just like, they're like the most, I don't know, most amazing people I've ever met. Cause there's like care, like carefree, but they're like, you know, talking about all their hardcore things they used to do in the back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, how can man. you be like so chill? But like, you know it's, it's such a it's crazy but it's also like that transformation is, is amazing yeah it's, um, it's it's very freeing you know i i think uh the other thing i'll say real quick about early early sobriety is being around a lot of happy people that were sober for a long time that loved me and cared about me and showed me the way um yes. that was it was huge for me in the beginning because I had I had never been to rehab I had never been to I had never been to any of it before and so I was just thrown into this world of people that were just like you know we got you and here's the solution and like we're going to support you while you you know go through this process and um that was that was huge for me and, and uh yeah I mean and they're like the most loving people yeah like you'll ever meet (laughs) you know i I used to think they were like the biggest lames too like (laughs) i'm one of those people (laughs) i mean i totally i i i can i totally feel you in that because there are people in like my like the main group i go to and it's like before i was just like oh man you guys are just like old and nah like all the things (laughs) all the things 
Or like, yeah. I would never see myself hanging out with you. Like, I go to hardcore shows and have tattoos. Like, you're, you're not me. But then yeah, now, I'm like, sure. every Sunday, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see you guys. You're amazing. Yeah, they're now just... they're, like, some of my closest friends, man. It's you crazy. Know? It's But, I mean, it's great. It's It's really that whole, you know, you just don't let you just can't judge people you know and it's hard it's hard to but it's for at least for me but the recovery community is is, uh the recovery community is powerful man i could go anywhere in the world and uh step into a room and feel like i'm right at home and feel like everything's going to be okay anywhere in the world and that's really amazing to me have you ever i mean so you you're from utah and you live in california have you gone to other like places and gone to an AA meeting or not a but any meeting yeah no no dude I haven't man I haven't been much of a traveler because I was always on I was always like restricted by the law to not Mm. leave a county (laughs) so um I never really yeah I never I haven't I've been like up in you know from like here to LA to meetings but no I haven't I would love to though but I I mean so I've only got I've gone to one meeting or and that was like in uh that was in california but i mean i can i can i I mean even like within the city you know it's like you can go to a different meeting or like even in the same state and you can go to a different meeting and it's like all the same you know it's like it's really really great to have that it's amazing have that feeling and like you know you're welcome like i that's the one thing it's, it's almost like that comfort food in america of just like knowing mcdonald's is like all the same (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, but like much healthier for you, you know, but it's like, no, it's, that's a perfect, that's a perfect metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, everybody's all, like, you're always going to have the same characters, like the same group of people, uh, you know, and it's like, you're always going to have like the people who always sit in the back of the room or like the people who do the fake coffee thing. Like they're always going to be those <laughs> people. Like, and it's great. It's just, it makes you feel right at home. And then you, you just know everybody, like the intention is set in the room that it, that's so positive and, and welcoming yeah uh, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of i'm i'm very very grateful oh for sure um my next question is did you ever did you ever relapse you know what uh i have i mean i haven't like i said Damn. that was my first attempt at real recovery and uh i've been sober ever since um so I, I get, I mean, I can't, I can't really say I have, I would be sober in jail and get out and use right away, but I don't really know if that would be considered a relapse. Um, I have seen a lot of people who've been sober for a good amount of time relapse and I have seen the shame and the, and just the, hu- the humiliation that comes with that for those people and how hard it is for them to come back. I've definitely been really close to that, but personally I, I haven't. And I hope not to. I mean, that's, that's awesome, man. I, I don't think like, you know, you see those people who have, who post things in like their, their community. It's like relapse is part of, you know, being sober. I, I mean, I, I think. I disagree with that. You what? <laughs> I disagree with that. I do too. <laughs> I was just going to say, I totally do too. I think like, it's, I, I think it's like, it's, uh, it's to each their own, you know, like everybody's got a different story and a different way. And like, I don't know, like, I'm not gonna, I don't know. Like, it's not a part of my story. It's not a part yeah. of your story. And I think it that's, can be. I mean, I can, 
you know, I, I know people that have gone out and had a really bad relapse and come and like, I guess that's what they needed to realize the severity of, of their condition mm. and then have maintained long-term sobriety after that. But I definitely don't think that's something that we should be telling people, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think it's like a, like the way you, with you saying that it's like, you know, you're like marketing this like yeah. concept to like, and I think, and I think that there are people who, I, this is going to make me sound judgmental and mean, but like, I think some people do take advantage of that. Like, it's yeah. like a mulligan, right? Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like we are, we are super, I, I, okay. So this is the thing. It's like, we are super caring and loving individuals. And I can guarantee you like the grumpiest dude at, at any program meeting is like, like old timer is like straight up the most loving and kind person you'll ever meet for sure you know yeah. and it's like yep. and so i think the thing what is hard with uh with like the community sometimes is that like there are people who are not necessarily fully ready to be committed yeah. right and so yeah. like like a relapse can become this thing where it's like like almost like an addiction in its own because we constantly like if somebody relapses like i'm not like you know suck it up like I'm like I'm really kind and like man I'm so sorry I heard that that's happened like and there's like that emotion you know that projects onto that and so it becomes like this piece you know does that make sense for sure man yeah which I think I don't know maybe I'm just being over judgmental but I just think like that can be the case and it's we are a very loving community it's like a very very and I, yeah. I would never if you know like I'm not going to ever discount somebody for for doing what they need to do. But like, I just feel like some people are not necessarily committed in that sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I agree. I, I just, you know, I was brought up in recovery in a way that was kind of old school. And, and it was like, that's, that's just not part of the message. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, we have a solution to offer and uh, there's some work to do to obtain it. But if you do the work and you get to that point and you, and you maintain spiritual growth, and grow as a person and help other people, then, you know, you can live happy and free for the rest of your life. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what, you know, people need to hear. And yeah, I think it's just a convoluted, like, you know, message that's out there, like you said, and uh, maybe just to make f people feel okay, like, oh, you know, relapse is part of recovery. Like, it's okay. I think it's just, better to say relapse is okay like you're an alcoholic you're a drug addict we expect you to drink and get high mm -hmm. <laughs> you know we don't expect you to take an inventory and make amends to the people you've harmed but um yeah i i think it's just like relapse relapse is okay but let's let's talk let's get back into how you can get better you know yeah oh for sure my the guy who um i worked with my first go around um hardcore traditional AA you know like like it was kind of it or not a but uh just like program work in general yeah um just like real real uh old school with it you know and like it was just straight to the point every time we talked and yeah. it was never and I, I feel like there was like this this whole thing like when he would talk to me he was just like well, are you, are you like, are you an alcoholic or are you not? Like, if you're not, like, then what yeah. are we doing? Like, kind of yeah, a thing, exactly. you know? And it's like, oh, yeah, exactly. you're right. Like, 
and I'm like trying to, you know, get sober. So I'm like trying to figure out how to like, in, like interact with him with it. But I was like, yeah, I should probably like, I should probably like commit it. Like it's either you commit or you don't. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, that's, it's kind of like, yeah, you just got to commit. <laughs> you just got to commit. And I, so I feel like I feel you on that 100%. Definitely. Definitely. Um, let's see. Let's see. The next question is, what does your look, life look like now? Obviously, we've talked a lot about all the cool things that you're doing. What do you, what, what's happening yeah. in your life now? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I've kind of laid it out, you know, I, um, I, you know, my job, my, my education, um, I have a really nice one bedroom apartment and I'm in a healthy relationship with a girl that I'm deeply in love with awesome. <laughs> who, who I'm very, you know, kind to, and who, you know, who trusts me and we have a healthy relationship and that's a really amazing thing for me. Uh, and having a one bedroom apartment in Carpinteria, California, kind of close to right down the street from the beach is a big deal for me. Um, I lived outside for a long time. So, uh, you know, every morning when I wake up and make coffee in my own kitchen and play with my cat, it's like, that's an absolute miracle to me. Um, I have a car and a driver's license, which is also a big deal for me. (laughs) Uh, I have a really amazing group of friends, um, sober and, and regular and not sober, you know, um, I'm, I just, I'm free, man. I'm free from all the, all the pain and all the misery and, you know, the obsession and the impending doom and just, you know, all that stuff. I'm free from all that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I tell the truth, you know, I show up when I say I'm going to show up, I pay bills, um, which is <laughs> You know, like, which is like ridiculous. So it's like ridiculous to think that that is part of sobriety, but it totally yeah. is. Like it's totally. Like, I mean, you get it, man. But I totally get. I get it one hundred percent. That's why I'm laughing at you because yeah. I think it's hilarious. Because it's like, uh, it's like I had somebody tell me one time in a meeting they were like, they were like, yeah, like I think every time, like if I throw, like, I if I'm like cleaning my ears and then I throw the um, Q-tip on the ground. Like, the trash it hits the ground and gets on the floor like i gotta pick it up because i gotta like clean my and like in my head i was like nah that's bullshit like that's not even that's not a thing and so i started like doing that i started thinking about it every single time and i'm like oh man like if i'm not doing that i'm just being lazy and i'm not working on myself so like paying bills it's like part of being sober it's like i totally just be like i remember back in the day i would just be like nope i'm gonna totally say hey i can't pay this bill can i pay it next month and then like now I'm like, okay, I gotta pay it on time every time. But yeah, yeah, I have like a decent credit score. Nice. I've got like a couple, like two credit cards. I have nice. to pay all, you know, um, I've paid like $15,000 in legal debt off since I've been sober. Nice. Um, which which is, is part of being in that sober too. It's like, yeah, doing the you know, thing, yeah, doing what you need to do. Financially amending my, you know, the wreckage of my past. Uh, you know, and like I set goals and I've been able to accomplish them. That's and, so awesome. um, that's, that's pretty amazing. You know, like my first job in sobriety was at a car wash and uh, that was really all I, I, you know, I didn't think further than that. And now I just, my education is where it's at. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just growing every day, man. Um, that's so awesome. And I just feel like, 
if I if there's something I want to do, I can set that goal and and I've been able to accomplish it. And uh, that's so yeah, cool. it's, it's pretty amazing. That's so awesome, man. I am so happy that with everything that you've gone through and just hearing your story, like that you've been able to make it out on top, you know, and I think that's like a huge part of just sobriety in general and recovery is that like, we all do make like it, like when you're in it, you're just, it's tunnel vision and you can't like, you can't see, like if you were to tell me like years ago that I would have, you know, I'd be married. I would have kids all these things like I would like it would not be in my lane like I would just be like no I'm just gonna be living in like squalor you know just because (laughs) like that's the only life I know and it's not like you know what's crazy is like there are times that I think about that that I'm like oh man like it'd be so much easier if I was just like living like shit because I feel (laughs) like it right now but that like doesn't reflect who I am but it's like every once in a while I get that like itch in my head I'm like oh man like remember those times, and that's yeah. what I know. I mean, that's what I know. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I gotta like so go to a meeting easier. or talk to somebody. What do you yeah. say? No, I just said like I I relate to that. It, like I I get there too. Like man, I would just I could just be shooting heroin and living in the park, and like you know my life would be so easy. I wouldn't have any responsibilities. I wouldn't be stressed out about stuff. But that's just the you know that's the the sickness of the mind. Yeah, it's crazy of, though. But it's, crazy. it's like insane it's insane thoughts what'd you say i catch that stuff too when it starts to creep up and i'm like all right i gotta something's off here yep. you know yeah and that's the thing it's like i think what what is you know part of this like part of this podcast and why i'm like pushing it in this direction is because i noticed there are so many times in my days that like and like just in general that'll like those those thoughts will be creep up and I'm just I just like sit there and tell myself god I'm sick of this like I'm sick of (laughs) that part of like being like okay I gotta like go to a meeting I gotta work on myself I gotta read the big book I gotta do you know and which is not all their stuff that people have to do at all like I can tell my normie friends like the stuff that I do and they're like I don't understand it because like I'll tell that like they'll screw up on some sort of speech in front of their co-workers and they'll just like go home and like do their thing. But then I'll like screw up and then I'm like, oh man, I just want to like burn it all down and yeah. like start over. Like, like so this extreme. one thing needs to now dictate my entire life. And like <laughs> that is insane. I mean, it's insane. It's it's real crazy, but it's one of those things where I get I, get, I do get sick of it because it, it would be so much easier to like run away from my problems or like yep. stop and no matter how many times I get sick of it, I'm still going to be here. Like, I'm still going to do this thing because it is what I needed. Like, I would not have the things that I have if I, if I screwed up. And percent me too. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an intense feeling to have and like responsibility, but at the same time with like that spiritual awakening piece we talked about, it's like yeah. liberating and like you feel, you don't feel, feel it as much. Um, so what do you do? what do you do to stay grounded? What's yeah, your deal? A, like, do you have like a, a schedule you put yourself on? Cause like, I feel like for myself as the person I am, like I need to have a structure. And if I don't have that structure, like I'm fucked, <laughs> you know, dude. Yeah, oh man. 
I just, I'm just laughing because it's like, you know, it's just super awesome to talk to you and do this. And it's like, I just feel like such a connection because like you say that and I'm just like, yep, I'm the same exact way. Like, <laughs> exactly. That's the, um, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you and I like barely know each other. However, because of the, like the stuff we've gone through and the, like what we've had to do to get here, it unites us like 100%, like yeah. 100%. I feel the same exact, you, the things you say, I'm like, oh my God, yes. Yes, I feel it. <laughs> but go yeah, on. What's, so, what's... so yeah, the routine routine is a is a really big uh, is a big thing for me. Definitely, um, it's kind of crazy. I developed that like being incarcerated um, in like a really structured environment, and doing that was kind of something I picked up. And um, but now I have it in like a healthy, productive way. And you know, yeah, just you know, work schedule. Um, the the whole routine thing is very is very good for me. Um, exercise is, is a huge part of my, my healing (laughs) and, uh, recovery, um, running, you know, just, uh, doing burpees, like jail workouts, which is kind of (laughs) weird, kind of weird, but I like it. Like kind of running, uh, riding my bike. Um, exercise is, is a huge part of me staying grounded. Obviously the 12 step program, like, I mean, I don't think I need to go into more detail, but yeah. that is that is the design for living that I use to get by every single day and to be a productive member of the world and to be a good person and, you know, be kind and loving. And I mean, that's that's it. You know, that's that's the foundation of my life. Um, and I'm OK with that, man. You know, like I, I'm all right with that because um, the the alternative is something I don't want to go back to, um, you know tapping into the the power I found the spiritual power I found in recovery God or you know whatever it is just tapping into that as much you know every day um therapy you know I've seen a therapist um for like three and a half years and that's been a huge part of of you know me just staying grounded especially with the field I work in you know I'm listening to people's problems all day long and everything so that's it. It's been a great outlet um, or not outlet, but, you know, a great part of recovery for me. Yeah. And, well, it's like, it's huge though. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, it's, okay. uh, it's huge because to do, to have therapy, cause like there's like that part of being working with people. Cause I used to work with kids on the spectrum um, and oh, you're dealing with kids and you're dealing with families and you're dealing with stu- other students and like there has to be like a way for you to you know get that release you know like to like talk to somebody freely about stuff that's been going on because it's like it's not easy stuff like wh- like I, one of the things I didn't like is like people would be like oh you're you're like a saint or you're an angel and like dude like I just <laughs> I care about people and that's yeah. it and like yes there is a tax toll on it like there is there's like an emotional tax on it but you know i think like as the people that we are like we need to have that like therapeutic release of just like having a third party person just like not anywhere associated with our stuff just hear it and yeah yeah i can't i can't imagine because you're hearing some like i've always been uh, done well working with kids and my wife is actually a high school teacher so I don't know how she does that but like I feel like when you're dealing with stuff like this like you're seeing 
all walks of life with the same kind of you know problems so i can't imagine the kind of like kind of like emotional tax it is on you because it is probably is taxing right yeah it, it is but i'm you know in school they really taught in school they really um i i learned and was taught to always have a therapist as a counselor that's and that's awesome. something i really you know because like i actually listen to people's directions <laughs> now so <laughs> that was like something that i i really held on to and um being a counselor and working in the field is is not recovery you know um i am not i get paid to go to my job and and do my job and it's not recovery it's not you know i get paid to do it so it's actually a little more challenging for me to separate that and have mm -hmm. my own personal recovery um the last thing i'll say because i don't want to go yeah, too yeah, yeah long but the last thing i'll say about that is grief recovery has been a huge thing for me in therapy um in sobriety i've lost my mom mm. uh to cirrhosis from drinking and taking pills and um which she was she was raising my son basically um and and she passed away unexpectedly I'm you know sorry, I, man. I did not expect that to happen i didn't even know she was sick um my one of my closest friends um overdosed and died in december 2019 uh my the son of my mother my ex overdosed and died on november uh 5th just of 2020 um and so i've you know i've, I've faced tragedy and and really unexpected uh loss since i've been sober and uh you know the tools i had when those things happened kept me from drinking i didn't even think about drinking which is which Damn, is dude. pretty pretty amazing i can at the end i'll sh i'll share my blog and if anyone wants to read yeah. it i've got a lot of stories on there about my days using and stuff and a, and a really good story about the day my mom died and how i walked through that and um you know what i did and um yeah sorry my <laughs> my cat you're totally fine man um so yeah the that the grief recovery has been huge for me to to be able to to walk through that stuff no i yeah i can't imagine man i'm so sorry for your loss like yeah i i'm sorry man. yeah it's it's crazy and like i mean those are those are really i just moved outside sorry you're good <laughs> um but yeah those were i mean those were people really close to me and um there's i mean as i'm sure you know people die like all, all, all the time in the recovery community and it's really it's really heavy man it's really sad um yep. so just finding some some you know a place to to talk about that has been really important and awesome. lexapro and seroquel <laughs> hey i take i take lexapro i get you i get you yeah, that dude. Yeah, some, <laughs> total yeah, helpful some, like, yeah mental some you know mental health stuff came up for me too when i was like three years sober and kind of fought it for a long time and then i got on lexapro last year yeah. and i started taking seroquel to help me sleep and so that's been like a lifesaver for me, <laughs> man. It's yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it, it goes so much farther than like, it goes so like recovery goes so far in so many different ways. And it's not just about the, you know, whatever addiction or whatever it is or vice you want to, whatever you want to call it. It like goes so far into just some pretty heavy topics like grief you know and is like loss is just 
is so difficult and you're right like it's a lot in our in our community um and you know not just necessarily just because it's like like the it's more it's like happens more often or because of you know xyz it's just like you know loss and it is it is what it is it's loss yeah and it's just hard to see it doesn't matter what it is it just you know it's it's hard and it's you know i, I commend you for staying sober during those times because it's you know it's like hard but the thing that's hardest i guess for me as a sober person um and i'm sure a lot of people can relate is just like dealing with some real sticky situations that you're unfamiliar with like that unfamiliar yep. territory is just it just puts every single like addiction piece of my brain at work and it's like <laughs> yeah. oh man like you really want to like do this right now because you're feeling you're actually feeling and you're not you know numbing it which is what you know we've been doing for years and years and years um yeah yeah I, those are some really good good things man I, and i and i yeah. really like how you talk you're talking about grief because i think it's it, it's one of those things that i you know even as i'm talking to you it's weird talking about it because it's hard to talk about loss um in general and so yeah when you're when you're seeing it within your own in your own community in your own life and yeah it's something you gotta Definitely. work on um <clears throat> any recommendations for a newcomer and or sober curious person um yeah i mean definitely just like if you are hopeless and you end up in a place where people are trying to help you with recovery then you might have a problem but <laughs> only 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 you you know only a person can diagnose themselves with the illness of addiction themselves mm. you know it's like the only illness in the world that has that you know quality <laughs> you you know first first diagnose yourself you know get with some people that that know the disease and and know the you know the the characteristics of it and you know read read some read a book and uh that someone suggests to you and diagnose yourself first to see if you relate to it and you have it. And if you do, then get to work, you know, get to work and, um, and just know that there is a way out. Don't be another statistic. Well, cause I think you're, I think you have hit a good point. And I kind of want to expand on this for a second is like diagnosing yourself is huge. Like, looking at yourself because i don't think that every person who picks up a drink is an alcoholic or any person who picks up you know whatever it is is this ism or or has this ism right i agree and like, yeah. i see my friends all the time who i don't consider alcoholics at all um you know they have that like internal reflection like oh shit like you know brand brand considers himself one like what about me <laughs> and it's like no like i don't like i i feel like that diagnosis piece is like huge because like when i would look at them i'm like no you're not like i i don't i don't know but like i don't think you are like I, I really don't but i think that there's some people out there who like go jump that gun a little too early yeah and they're like oh man i'm like doing this this and this i'm like no like you'll know like you know yeah if you have it and if you are a person who struggles with coping and like all of it 
Yeah, because and, the the recovery program is going to ask you to do some some extensive things and some mm-hmm. really uncomfortable and scary things, you know. Um, and if you're not like hopeless on the verge of death and and like hating your life and desperate, when you get to some of those tasks in the recovery process, you're probably not going to want to do them, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, but if you're desperate I, I, and you know that you have this fatal illness you know, then you're going to be, when the tough stuff comes around that you have to do, you're going to be like, okay, well, I have this thing. So if I don't do this, mm. it means I go back to where I was before and I don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're, I haven't really thought of it in that sense or like, that, I guess that deep, but like, yeah, you know, if you don't, like you said, like, if you don't, like, nobody wants to like, I, I would never ever tell somebody Hey, like dig up all the skeletons in your in your graveyard, bring them to surface, and see what you think of them. Like, I, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I would never tell that to anybody because, like, I talk to people and I'm like, dude, just like tell me anything. Like, literally, dig up the things that you probably haven't thought about for years, and like just do it. You know, like, and some people are like, yeah, like I got mad at the guy at Seven Eleven, and I'm like, dude, like that's like. <laughs> that's like nothing man like i get it like yes down the road you should be thinking about that you know daily piece of like okay was like nice to everybody like did i I act out but like when you're going through this part like i think some people can do that but it's like i think that there is a level of honesty like that rigorous honesty piece is huge because it's not it's not just i am mad at my ex because of this it's like i'm mad at my ex because it brought up all these emotions and i did this and they did this to me and i'm just like angry about it and like you know it's a real real it's an emotional charge and it's overwhelming like it's like i can tell you like all this when i had to do that kind of work and i'm still gonna i'm gonna do it again is like that kind of work is is hard and it's like days, days and weeks. I would just like not know what to do because I'm just like sitting here, like having these emotions that I haven't thought about for years. And now I have to like, let it go. Like that, like, I can't, I can't tell that to some rando and be like, Hey, do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I it just, yeah. it's so strange. But so I think like a long winded way of what I just said, like, you're right. Like the diagnosis and figuring it out you'll figure it out and yeah yeah diagnose yourself first because the recovery program is is you know it's meant for really sick people (laughs) and uh if you don't think you're really sick then you probably don't need it so yeah yeah, i mean just just reach out for help ask somebody for help or if somebody comes to you and offers you help then just give it a shot you know like it's not going to do you any worse than you're doing right now. So <laughs> very true. That is very true. I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you 100% on that. Um, yeah. And so my last thing that I wanted to ask you before I let you go is, is there anything that's not related to being sober or recovery that you are stoked on, interested in, in anything that you could recommend people listening? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just want to say first, uh, thank you for, for having me and, of and your, your podcast is really awesome. I've followed it, um, 
since you first did it since it was the it was since like i decided to like not have have an identity crisis because i'm fucking (laughs) insane style song what was yes non-stop feeling non-stop feeling yeah so and i don't even remember how i stumbled across your page but i did and i just started following it and you're just yeah like the shirts you did for uh autism awareness and just how much you you know support and promote other other people um you know from from the other from hardcore community and just from people like us who are just trying to do cool creative stuff and um so yeah i just want to give you props on that and say that I, i love everything you do and the, you know, and shout out to Gate Creeper for sick of being sober. And <laughs> yeah, did you listen to that by the way? Oh yeah, yeah, it's and so it's good. A, it's the whole it's so good, it. dude. And it's such a great name for the podcast. You know, I love it. Um, but you know, the dude's so, the lead singer's sober, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's like I he did like the Chase. His name is Chase. He's he did this like ask me anything on his on his. Uh, I mean, I've known he's been sober for a while, but like he did this "Ask Me Anything," and like I was just like, "What got you sober?" Just like all these like real like in depth <laughs> questions that I was like, "Hopefully," he, and he did answer. It, but it was like, yeah, he's sober, and I so like I think, you know, just in general, I I I I madly support anybody who is sober doing some shit. Like yeah, that's what, exactly yeah. For it, sure. It's a it's a total like it's totally a different perspective on life and just they bring i feel like people like sober people to me are my people and i feel like we bring like this i don't know this like energy this like different vibe and feel to the court and it's yeah awesome. definitely and it it really challenges me too like um well i guess i'll just it challenges me to be a part of it because the recovery community gets comfortable for me and it gets mm it gets not easy, but it's comfortable. So when I get, you know, I start, when I started going to shows again, when I got sober and, and then I started the radio show and I started networking with people, um, it's challenging for me, you know, because my identity is so consumed by being in recovery and being a counselor and and that being my thing. It's like, I'm going to step into a world where, you know, nobody knows that about me and I can just focus on on hardcore and, and music and, and stuff like that. So it is, it's a whole nother challenge and it's really awesome. But I mean, I just, you know, so yeah, I love, I love what you're doing and, and this podcast. It's awesome. There's a, the Ventura County hardcore scene down here is really amazing. Um, on Instagram, it's, you can just follow FTK records. It's like a DIY label down here and they're just, They're just so awesome, dude. I've interviewed a lot of bands like um, from there, like, and then there's like Retaliate, and they yeah. have the the singer has the 185 Miles South podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's an awesome podcast for hardcore fans. And you're you're getting a some guys from Rejection Pack, right? On yours. Yeah. So Devin from Rejection Pack is uh, I'm gonna interview him on Thursday, which I'll post that on SoundCloud. So if you cool. just go to yourlifeinamerica.com, there's mm-hmm. like a link to the SoundCloud there and um, the Instagram name. And that's my blog that has a bunch of stories about my my life in recovery, my life on the streets. Um, nice. Yeah, it's just yourlifeinamerica.com. It's all there. Um, do me a favor and uh, after this, uh, 
send me that information and I'll put it in the, the notes for this show. Okay, cool. Yeah. I that's cool. Sure. Yeah. Um, Cause I want to, I want to promote you as much as possible. I think that I see your posts and like, just like the, like the playlist that you do for your radio show. Are sick. Like, yeah, thank you. Thank sick. You. Like, I, I some yeah. of those like, there. It's pretty great seeing the bands and just being like, oh, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Let's, let's like, <laughs> like it's not like it's not radio hardcore, which is cool. Like, I, I love, I love the music that you put on your show, and like, it's, yeah, it's great. It's it's not like it's traditional hardcore, and you know it's it's something that like you're not going to hear on like the you know serious xm kind of stuff like yeah. it is straight up from the underground and that's awesome that you're you're working with these with these people like in ventura that's awesome yeah and if yeah. you can do me a favor too like send me that link too so i can put that in there cause i will I, yeah i mean the ventura county hardcore scene is is amazing like dead heat and slow bleed and omega point Oh, just all it's just a really awesome scene uh yeah and obviously you know triple b um yep i think that triple b records is like the greatest record label in the world um oh, for sure what what they did during the um the black lives matter protests and in the the fundraising you know they raised and donated over a hundred and twenty thousand dollars um that's just on the side of all the amazing music they put out. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. And like they, <laughs> they get people started and they just like the people that are on their label, you know, take yeah. off onto some bigger labels, which is awesome. They're just like, it's, it's awesome to have a record company that promotes hardcore or promotes music and lets it like do what it needs to do. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I've got to interview like I've got to interview One Step Closer. Nice. Um, Anxious. I got to interview uh, Jeremy from Fury. Awesome. Um, Ill Communication. Andy from Ill Communication. So I've got to inter- do some really awesome interviews. Um, but yeah, that's pretty. I mean, that's, I would say like the Dank Recovery memes, like those Instagram pages. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. if you, dude. Those are like the best instagram pages in yes, the world. <laughs> they are they are some if of the are, greatest yeah if you're in yeah. recovery and you're like far enough along where you can find humor in the sickness <laughs> those yeah, pages well, yeah, are that's... the absolute best dude <laughs> i think i think that's one thing that people don't understand about recovery is like we all talk about some like real dark shit like all the time like there's like some underlying piece of us that we always we, we just like laugh at the past Hey, yo! So I don't know what happened. That was weird. <laughs> I think it's because we maxed out the time. Oh, just... sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. No, you're totally good, man. I, I've, I, I am happy that seeing this to, to continue on. Um, yeah. But I think like yeah, we talk about like some really heavy stuff and like your your um, you asking for a drink or asking me if like you're if I'm gonna get triggered like. I'm not going to get triggered by you making a decision for yourself. Like, yeah, I don't, not even, I don't yeah. care whatsoever. But um, the meme stuff, yeah. If you, like you said, <laughs> if you get into the space where you can be open about certain things, um, I would definitely check it out too. What, Dude, do, are there any memes that you, are not meme ones, but, but yeah, meme, meme things that you're into right now? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, just like, 
Okay, Foo's Gone Wild. I don't know if you know what Foo's Gone Wild is. I have not heard of this one. Oh, okay. That's like, if you like any tweakers or like, you know, any of that kind of humor, like they are, it's all like kind of like Hispanic, like cultured uh, essay, like tweaker humor. They are like absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah. The new Kid Cudi album is freaking amazing. I don't know if, uh, I you know, Kid oh, Cudi God. is sober and he's been through a lot of crazy shit in his life. And I don't think I knew he was sober. I think I knew, I knew that, I know that he has depression and he's got some like mental health stuff, but I don't know. If, I didn't know that he was sober. Yeah. May, I mean, maybe he's, maybe it was, maybe it's just that he's in recovery from something, but he's definitely like, I don't know. Someone told me he was sober and I don't know, but his new record that he just put out um, is really, really good. I, nice. I've been listening to that. Um, yeah, man. I think that's, that's all the stuff I could plug really. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, keep, it's good, man. I'll, I don't want to keep going forever. Oh, you're just, fine, man. I'm like, I could talk to you about this for, you know, hours. I'm definitely, I think that's one of the the greatest things about this stuff is like, there is always going to be with like people who are in recovery and sober. There's like this deep rooted connection that is like way deeper than, you know, likes and dislikes. Like, I think I really am attracted to like the stuff that you do because you, you are into hardcore and you're, you do stuff for the hardcore scene, but then there's this like other level of it. That's like, I could talk to you about, pretty much anything and i would know that we're we're going to be on the same page because <laughs> yeah. we have the same like we have the same ingrained principles and then the, like the same like thought patterns within just recovery and i i think there's like like for me and i that's like the last deep thing i'll get into is like for me like recovery was just like cleaning everything out and just like just like really working on myself to the point that like i am i really just like want to engage with people and like really like in but what i but there's something about engaging with somebody in the sober community that's way different than a normie like there's just like a deep-rooted connection a feeling of just like you know i could learn from you you could learn from me like we are just like you know one in the same yeah, man. I mean, it's, you know, share, share a common problem and a common solution that's life-threatening. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, it's pretty, it is, I agree. It's a it's deep a... and And yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to go too long, but just like the, hard, the hardcore, uh, I love hardcore. I, I saw Ceremony in like 2005 was like the first hardcore show I went to and it was, I was like in love oh. with it ever, ever since then. Yeah. Um, it was that was a long time ago, but so yeah, because Cere- ceremony wasn't doing their indie stuff at that point. They were like no, still there, like violence. Violence was the only thing that was out. <laughs> so violence, was, violence was so good. Yeah. I was actually just rearranging my vinyl records today, and I picked up that record and I was gonna play it, but I I didn't because my my kid was awake. <laughs> like yeah. they're like you know a minute and a half songs. There's like that one song that like ends with "fuck you." Like it's like dude, yeah, it's it's a it's, good album, but great, great, great. I mean, definitely. Yeah, dude, I could, I could, legit, I could legitimately talk to you about hardcore, sober life, all of it for a long, long time. I think, I think what this, uh, 
the platform does like I think maybe like eighty minutes. I think we were capped at like at eighty minutes. So like a long, long time to talk. Yeah. But no. is there, you got the anything only, else? The only so, thing, like the last thing I wanted to say, and like, honestly, yeah. I think the first time I messaged you was because there was nobody I had ever come across since I've been sober that I thought could ever relate to what, what I wanted to say, except for you, because you're like, I had never seen a combination of recovery and hardcore until I started seeing what you were doing. And it's like, I come to, I come to this, like such a crossroads with it sometimes because hardcore is like a part of my DNA and I love it so much. And, but so much of it is about not so much of it. That's a really bold statement. A A good amount of it is about like, if you, surrender your thinking to anything else other than yourself then you're weak and like you're not living and you know what i mean like there's just yeah it's it's, yeah and i get it dude like i understand that perspective but i so strongly like don't believe that (laughs) because i know i'll you know because of my life and it's like dude i don't i don't have a problem saying maybe there is a god maybe there isn't you know and there's just like and i know like that gets so i don't know i just find like i i get really crossed up there you know no i totally get that dude 100 percent for <laughs> yeah i get that 100 percent because it's so hard to listen to like terror which is by far my favorite band or like hatred <laughs> but like yeah terror they have so many songs that it's just like all about self-will and like <laughs> I'm like that's straight up like me, overcoming and like all these things and then I'm like every time I hear like this you know like self and like their songs I'm like oh man self-will run riot like it's yep. just gonna get crazy <laughs> man and then no I I totally it's so conflicting and yeah I don't know I don't know it's like living a kind of a double life because it's totally, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I love hardcore. Um, you kind of stumped me for this one. Yeah, I think I had. Like, I don't know what to I, say to it because I'm like, to, like no, wait a minute. It's tough, dude. I think I had to stop searching for, like, what I found in recovery was life-saving. And, and it's, you know, it is what it is for me. I think I had to stop searching for that in hardcore music because it's mm. not, that's not what it's there for, you know? And, and once I stopped doing that and I just took it for what it is and it's just something that I enjoy and something I'm a part of, it's like, okay, you know, I, it's been, it's been easier for me, but it's just like everything we do. I overthink it and I'm like, oh my God, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. I shouldn't like be a part of hardcore. Cause I like might believe in God, oh you know God. what I mean? <laughs> oh my God. Like I see that's what's, what's crazy about this whole conversation is like, yes, that is like 100% the way I think. And the 100% the way that recovery works is like you overthink something and then you have to like, like that overanalyzing of it turns into this like thing of like, it's not just like a happy medium. It's like, no, I got to remove myself from it 100%. (laughs) Like, it's not just like this, like, oh, like, you know, I'll listen to this album every once in a while. I'll like listen to like rap and stuff like that on the side. No, it's like, I'm now obsessing over this thing 
to the point where I'm in, like considering leaving something. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like absolutely insane because I grew up in hardcore and I grew up in the punk scene and all of it. Like that was that's my jam. Mm-hmm. And when I have had the same thoughts as you of just like certain bands and certain things, especially the ones that are like real into just like hating on like God or hating on any idea of a higher power or even just hating um, on drug addicts like inclination. Oh yeah. Hating on drug addicts. Like, I love inclination, dude. They're like one of the hardest, sickest fans <sighs> ever, but they just like, they just absolutely like hate on junkies so bad. And I'm like, damn dude. <laughs> like, like that's my shit. Like that is my, like, no, I know. Like I, Oh man, I, I 100% can get down with that thought. And it is, it is one thing that like, I guarantee you, if we were to continue this conversation further, like I would be like, okay, I'm done with hardcore. Like I'm done, I can't <laughs> do like, it anymore because it's like one of those things. It's just like, it, it, it is like, I'm trying to find that, like, like how my mind works is I'm trying to find that, like that safe space of like, okay, like everything's good. And like, I can't, I'm like, it's like, we can have this conversation, but I'm like, wait a minute. But what about this song that talks about just like decimating your, <laughs> like like Earth Crisis? Sorry, last one. Yeah. Earth Crisis, love Earth Crisis. Me too. And I and like I consider myself straight edge, and but then like I have like you know they came out with to Ash or like I mean you don't even have to go to that. You have to, you can just go back to like Firestorm, and you know like street by street, block by block, like yeah, just like <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get the militant part of it, and like all of it but then at the same time like then they have you know to ashes where they're like burning like drug dealers houses to the ground and shit and i'm like damn dude like these are in my mic my, my sober mind and my recovery mind's like damn dude these people are like people and they're like trying to make like not really a living but they're like trying to survive and like don't just like rip everything away from them but then at the same time i'm like this fucking damn <laughs> Bumped, like, I know it's, that's, it's so good. That's where I'm at with it too, man. I'm the same way. Oh, so, yo, and yeah. shout out to Magnitude for the. Oh yeah, here. yeah. See, like, for sure, like, man. I, can I vibe with like Magnitude because I just love at the beginning of that song those lyrics and you know knowing there's a place that exists be beyond the confines of addiction. Like that's just such a. Oh yeah, I love that, dude. Well, like I, uh, this is interesting, and this is like I'm not like I don't like bringing up people people's names or like to create beef or anything but like i remember i was when i had originally started this idea um of doing stuff like this especially with hardcore because hardcore to me at least straight edge and hardcore like goes hand in hand with like does go hand in hand with recovery to an extent like there are those conflicting parts to it but there are some but i remember there are there are um but i remember there were some people i was talking to and I was like trying to feel out for like songs of using intros and like other other pro like not programs but like projects that were doing things. And like there's just like that such gatekeeping mentality of straight edge that was just like not vibing with me. Yeah. And people who'd be like, no, I'm not gonna do it because like if you're just like newly into this, like you know whatever. I'm like, dude, <laughs> whatever, man. And like magnitude was just like, yeah, go for it, man. But if you listen. If you look at all of Magnitude stuff, like straight up, like it's it's straight edge hardcore, but it's also like you know they come from some shit. Like you know yep. it's not just you know inclination, great band, but like 
at the same time, like they're coming from it and at an angle that is like that angry militant side, mm-hmm. which I get, I understand it, but like, and it's good. I'm not going to say it's not good, but it's like, there was something with magnitude that was just super chill and they are super chill. And like, yeah, I mean, shouts to them. Thank yeah. you, Magnitude, for just being awesome. Man. Hey, but when that inclination breakdown hits, I just can't. I can't turn it off, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I know. Every 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 time, I just yeah. No, I every I, every hardcore, everything that's like, yeah, man, it sucks. Like the violence against people who are like users and shit, and like it's like so good but then at the same time it's like i'm like fuck no 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 like i can't do this yeah. like it works against every every fiber of my being yeah but yeah well, with with that with that i mean i guarantee you like nobody this like vex this like last 15 minutes of this episode like nobody's gonna like understand half of it unless they're like into hardcore yeah. i'm glad but, i'm not alone though man <laughs> yeah you're definitely you're definitely not alone sorry for every literally like i we just I'm glad we went on this diatribe, but like, it's, it's, it's like, like when somebody was telling me there, they're like, Oh, like you like, use like all these hardcore references. And I was like, yeah. Cause like, that's like my entire life. And they're like, not everybody understands it. I'm like, yeah, well the next last 50 minutes, like nobody's <laughs> understand any of that. That's all right. So if you, if you're still listening, thank you for yeah, listening. Thank you. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, No it. doubt. Thank you very much for having me. Um, of course, doing man. what you're doing, and we'll we'll be in contact soon and in the future, I'm sure. Oh, for sure, man. This is not going to stop here. All right, man. Have a good rest Have of the night. One. Later. You too. Bye.